Well, Jordan is bringing around a handout uh, for us to look at together, and, um, and so we'll be moving through that a little bit. I also want to uh, let you know that I'm planning to uh, take some time if, um, at the end uh, to just answer any questions that you might have about anything that we have discussed as it pertains to the whole idea of depression or whether it's... Uh, um, even a, a question that we haven't discussed, if it has pertaining to depression, then I want to make sure that we have time to discuss that together so, and talk about that a little bit. So, uh, <clears throat> thanks for, uh, for being here. I appreciate that very much. And appreciate the kind invite uh, from Pastor Jordan. So on our, uh, our, our uh, handout that's coming around there, it, uh, it asks, if you um, ask uh, the, at the top, it asks, what is depression? I think most of you kind of know that already, but we're going to talk just real briefly about that um, and then head into some other stuff here on it. So the idea of depression... Uh, there's different kinds of depression. Uh, there's a, what's called a major depression or major depressive disorder. And uh, that major depressive disorder is, is typified by uh, this enduring sense of, of sadness, a, a prolonged sense of, 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 of great sadness. Um, it has to go on for at least uh, two weeks where there is a depressed mood and an absence of uh, interest or pleasure in the things that uh, normally you would have interest in. Depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day uh, during that time. Market diminished interest, as we said, or pleasure in almost all activities. Uh, there can be a significant weight loss or significant weight gain. There could be in, insomnia or hypersomnia. So trouble with sleeping is a really common sort of thing that happens with that. Uh, people can even encounter... Um, Difficulty with just moving and feeling like they need to uh, to move or get out of bed uh, can be kind of uh, physically paining to do that, uh, and then pervasive feelings of worthlessness accompany that as well, or and or excessive uh, sorts of guilt. People can encounter that as well. Uh, difficulty with thinking or concentrating is, is a common um, occurrence, and then. Of course, for some folks, they also encounter uh, thoughts of suicide. Um, but out of that listing, if, 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 if you have five of those, and uh, they're relatively moderate to severe over the course of, a, of any two-week period, then that's the criteria for a major depression. But the one that we probably see um, a little more frequently is, is the one that's... Um, a little bit less severe. It's longer acting. It's, it's what's called a persistent depressive disorder, um, or what we used to refer to as dysthymia. But the, that kind of depression is not quite as severe, but it's long-lasting. It's not, not as intense, I'll put it that way. Um, but it's one of those things that lasts for like a two-year period of time. And again, some of the same sort of criteria with that, the, the ones that you probably have heard of before, the poor appetite or the overeating, sleep disturbance, difficulty, concentration, that kind of stuff. And uh, the depression um, can really make a person feel completely um, exhausted mentally and physically both. They have a great difficulty functioning. They can have great difficulty with... Um, just pursuing daily activities that they need to do in terms of just getting dishes done, um, doing laundry, uh, taking a shower, uh, going to work. Uh, if they're a student, finishing their studies, that kind of thing. Um, significant difficulty in doing that. So as a matter of fact, uh, the leading cause of disability among those Folks in the United States between the ages of 15 and 44, uh, the leading cause is depression. Um, there are approximately 15 million Americans that struggle with depression. 
approximately 300 million people worldwide who struggle with depression. And uh, it seems to be a bit more prevalent in, in women than it does men. Um, but it's certainly one of those things that, uh, as we said, it uh, um, can really limit a person's functionality. It limits their occupational functioning or their social functioning, um, their ability, if they're a student, to do studies. And uh, so there's all kinds of problems that we see happening with that. Uh, just a couple stats I want to pass along to you, and then we'll dig into this a little bit more. Um, the National Network of Depression Centers um, indicates that depression is, the, as we said, leading cause of disability for many Americans. Uh, the estimates are that in the U.S. alone, that approximately $210 billion a year are lost um, on the basis of people missing work and that kind of stuff, losing out on jobs because of depression. And it ranks as, as one of the top three workplace issues in the United States. Um, so it's, it impacts people uh, on their job, it impacts people socially, and it impacts people in, in the ability to concentrate and do things that they would normally do, just daily tasks, grocery shopping and things like that. Uh, so it affects a lot of folks. As we said, nearly 15 million Americans struggle with depression. So we look at numbers like that and we think to ourselves, well, wow, that sounds sort of like an epidemic of sorts. Are they blowing it out of proportion? I mean, is that what they're kind of doing? Um, but I can tell you that we've seen at Cornerstone Christian Council, we've seen lots and lots of folks who struggle uh, with depression. It doesn't mean that their depression is necessarily the kind that lasts for two years. It may be a short-acting episode. And we're going to talk about different kinds of depression a little bit. Um, because uh, the, there's a major depressive disorder, there's a dysthymia. And then there's another type of, of uh, depression. It's not really called a depression. It's more called a sadness, which is uh, attributed to um, a sense of loss or grief. Uh, maybe a person's lost a, a loved one. Um, or maybe they've lost a grand opportunity for a promotion, or maybe they have lost their job, or they've lost their home, um, or maybe they've lost a relationship in some way, and uh, that can kick a person into uh, a grief process. And so there's a lot of prolonged sadness that can be associated with that. As a matter of fact, we even see, um, with people struggling with depression, we see children quite often, um, struggle with depression, as young as four years of age. Um, I just today visited with a, a six-year-old who struggles with depression. And um, we think, well, that seems kind of young to be struggling with depression, but uh, uh, these are folks who have gone through major losses in their life again. And some, some of those losses may be that their family is broken apart or maybe that they've had to move to a different school or their friend has moved away or um, the death of a, a pet. Um, you know, those, all those things would could, could uh, kick uh, a child into a, a uh, short-lasting depressive stint. So, and depression isn't just a, a, a sense of uh, just a, a tiny bit of sadness. Um, grief is more of a sadness thing, but depression is, uh, is a little bit more intense. Um, sometimes can be um, a long-lasting thing. Sometimes we say it this way, that sadness is kind of like a head cold, and depression is more like a cancer uh, because it's much more severe. It's much more dangerous. Um, as we said, that oftentimes with depression, the person can encounter uh, suicidal thoughts and ideas. And um, so that's, I mean, there's... Uh, oh, nearly 800,000 uh, people... Uh, worldwide die due to suicide every year. So, and it is the second leading cause of death between individuals who are 15 to 29 years of age. Uh, so, depression is much more dangerous and affects their life in, in, in a variety of ways. Um, some, some famous folks who struggle with depression, because um, it is so pervasive, um, some of you have have heard maybe uh, of this before, but uh, there's a number of uh, famous individuals who have struggled with depression. For example, Abraham Lincoln uh, was known to struggle uh, with uh, 
recurring depressing episodes. Winston Churchill, uh, Mark Twain, um, just to mention a few. I'll make mention of a few others uh, later on um, when we talk about some other stuff. Um, but some significant depression for some of those, uh, um, those famous people. Winston Churchill used to f- um, kind of famously refer to his depressive episodes as his black dog. Uh, so when he was encountering depression, he would say, my black dog has come to visit me. Um, so and on the basis of that, that's where that band Led Zeppelin got that song, for some of you who are rock music fans of the 70s. Um, but uh, it... it um, it hits people from every walk of life at all different kinds of ages, um, every kind of ethnicity, every kind of socioeconomic pattern. Um, it, uh, it can really cripple uh, individuals. And so what I want to do is I'd like to talk about some primary causes of this depression. You see them listed there on your sheet. And uh, before I do that, I'll tell a quick story. And the quick story really has to do with... Uh, uh, my 12-year-old daughter, um, who's, who's not struggled immensely with depression, and thankfully at this point, but what she, what she did do is she illustrates something very important for us. It was about seven years ago or so, um, so she was a, around five years of age, and she was uh, in the upstairs bathroom uh, in the hallway, and she was uh, she's filling up one of the sinks to give one of her Barbie dolls a bath. And uh, some of you have been there before, and and so I don't know if it was her short attention span or we called her away, but she ran out of the bathroom and down the stairs and left the sink filling up with water. You probably see where the story is going. And um, so soon we heard something, my wife and I, we ran upstairs and defined a, about an eighth of an inch of water across the towel floor on the bathroom because the uh, sink was overflowing under the counter and then onto the floor. So at that, in that moment, we have uh, a big mess on our hands. And my wife and I have to make a decision at that point. The decision is, what shall we do? And so if we make the decision that we have to work really hard to clean up the mess, and matter of fact, even if we have a game plan, and, uh, and my wife says, you take the towels and start from the back, I'll take the mop, start from the front, we'll meet in the middle, right? So we've got a game plan, we're working really hard. But if in that process, neither my wife ever either one of us ever reach up to turn the faucet off, right? (laughs) The water's going to keep coming. And so we can work really hard to clean up the mess, um, but then it it reoccurs, it reappears. Well, I use that illustratively because that's exactly how depression kind of is. Um, It can be a running faucet in a person's life, and they can work really hard, even with a game plan, to kind of clean it up. Um, But the mess reoccurs, and it reappears again. And so the key becomes, how do we turn off the faucet, or at least turn it down to a slow trickle where um, we've got control over it? In order to do that, we need to answer the question, where does the depression come from? And that's why we talk about what the five causes are. And so you see there listed on your sheet the five causes of depression. The situational depression, probably the most prevalent kind of depression that we see. There are situations in their life that, uh, that create depressive feelings inside of them because they're very stressful and, and very sad events. Their favorite Aunt Mabel's passed away. Their dog has run away and not come back. They've been downsized from their job they've had for 20 years. Their spouse has left them. Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They've been told uh, by their doctor that they have cancer. Uh, those are all situational variables. Um, it can be very severe things, very significant issues. Um, it pr- produce a lot of depression in a person's life, but it's uh, probably the leading cause of depression that we see is situational variables in a person's life. Um, so it comes out in a lot of different ways. Um, like we said, it can come out as, as, as exhaustion, it can come out as anger, it can come out as poor concentration, it can come out any of those types of ways, um, but it's really depression is really what the culprit is. For men in particular, uh, the way that depression may present itself is through a lot of irritability and by uh, intermittent uh, anger episodes. So... Um, 
situational um, is the first cause of depression. The second one that we have listed there, and uh, we, we can talk about any of these in just a second here. Um, the second one is what we call neurobiological, uh, the neurochemical components. And, and that's where what happens um, is that a, a person's neurochemistry isn't producing the right amount of a neurotransmitter. And that neurotransmitter uh, could be uh, serotonin in its properties, uh, so serotonin levels. It could be uh, neuropinephrine levels, uh, dopamine levels. Those are all uh, neurotransmitters. If any of those aren't working correctly in my brain, then the byproduct of those not working quite correctly is depression. And that's just the byproduct of it. And uh, so those are the folks we sometimes will see who will seek out their doctor for some medication, um, for some sort of antidepressant medication. Not all of them do that. Some of them seek non-medicinal approaches because they, they either don't tolerate medication or they don't like the idea of medication, so they seek maybe um, some non-medicinal remedies. And that can, that can be a rigorous exercise. It can, uh, that can be uh, using lots of vitamins and supplements, um, having a more um, ba- careful, balanced diet with lots of uh, high B vitamin in, in, in it. Um, some of the supplements and stuff that people would take are things like 5-HTP, that kind of stuff like that. So um, sometimes they will use... Uh, you know, chiropractic care, massage therapy, those are all things that people sometimes that I that visited with that sometimes use that don't feel comfortable with medication. But a lot of people take medication, antidepressant medication, to try to help them if, if the cause in their, in their life is, they say, that it's neurobiologic. And people say, well, how do I know that? Well, usually we say things like this. If you see in your family tree a lot of people... Uh, your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, whatever. If you see a lot of people in your family tree who are struggling a lot with depression that you can't pinpoint a specific you know, situational event to, um, then that's usually a pretty good sign that you may have something that's genetic and it's maybe neurobiologic in nature. If you have situational depression... If your, if your favorite dog runs away, antidepressant medication is not going to help that. It's not going to make it better. It'll mask the symptoms, perhaps, but it won't, it won't actually make it better. Um, third cause of depression, third running faucet, if you will, is any past trauma. And when we say past trauma, we're talking about not just Hardship. We're talking about clearly traumatic events, where you've been, where a person's been ritually sexually abused, where a person has been physically almost killed and shot several times, or has been in an accident where people have died, a plane crash, something like that, have been taken hostage, held at gunpoint or knife point, um, you know, abducted, that kind of stuff like that. Um, traumatic events. Um, when people have been involved in those kinds of occurrences. Uh, then, then people encounter what we call post-traumatic stress, right? It's the thing that we see oftentimes with military personnel who have seen people shot, have seen people blown up into bits and pieces and that kind of thing. Um, when trauma happens, unmistakable trauma, the byproduct of that, again, can be depression. It's... Uh, it's just what kind of happens, the outpouring of it. Uh, some of those folks do take medication, but that medication alone is not going to be the remedy for it. That's not the solution. If you have post-trauma, they have to go through trauma recovery for that. You can't uh, just take medication and it'll be better. The truth is about medication is that with antidepressant medication, it really helps some people. Uh, the intent of the medication, that uh, they, most of the antidepressant classes that we see the intent was that a, people, a person would be on it for a minimum of six months and a maximum of three years. Um, but uh, there's a lot of folks who have been on it, been on an antidepressant med- medication for 20, 25 years. That was not the original design. That's because people, regardless of what the cause is, what the five causes are, 
People are getting medication from their doctors for all five causes, and only one of those causes will medication truly treat what needs to be done. So, uh, The fourth cause is faulty thinking patterns. And uh, there's some overlap between some of this, but uh, faulty thinking patterns is where a person gets stuck with what we have uh, kind of uh, colloquially termed uh, uh, stinking thinking, uh, where they get so negativistic in their thinking patterns, uh, where they feel a great sense of helplessness and, and they get stuck in that kind of thinking, that if it wasn't for bad luck, they'd have no luck at all that nothing ever happens for them. And it always rains when they are planning picnics and things never work out for them. Uh, Negativity uh, will flow into the next thing as well, but it's one of those things that people sometimes get stuck in a thinking pattern of how life really stinks and that the world is out to get you. And um, the result of that, the byproduct of that, again, is depressive feelings. And so sometimes that's what the cause is for folks. That's the running faucet. And then the fifth cause we have listed there is spiritual oppression in a person's life. Um, and that can happen in, in, in a couple in subtle ways, but in some very overt ways as well. Um, and so some of the um, overt ways that it happens is uh, through a direct uh, attack, a really satanic attack. And demonic activity and spiritual forces, right? Uh, those are, uh, there's a battle that we fight every day. If you are a believer and if you have the Holy Spirit uh, indwelling in your life, then you know that full well. Uh, but it's a battle. There's a spiritual realm. And so spiritual issues occur for folks. Uh, a couple other things that pop up, uh, some of the negativity, um, what we've kind of referred to as a spirit of negativity. There's a lot of negativity that becomes infectious. Um, and uh, that can be also a spiritual problem. Uh, unresolved anger in my life. If I'm really angry and I uh, haven't been able to forgive somebody or something for something that was done uh, because it was incredibly painful and they were completely wrong in doing it, you know. But if, uh, if I'm having difficulty with forgiveness and I've had difficulty with unresolved anger, the byproduct, again, can be uh, depressive feelings come out of that. And those are really spiritual remedies that can be had. So this, uh, all these are causes of depression. Um, C.S. Lewis says this in his book entitled The Problem of Pain. He says that mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain is, but it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain often increases the burden it is easier to say that my tooth is aching than to say that my heart is broken. <clears throat> but with uh, folks who are struggling with depression, that's exactly the case oftentimes, as they're struggling with uh, a broken heart. All right, so those are the five causes. I want to I look in just a moment at some remedies um, that we talk about, common remedies. These are general we can also talk about specific remedies for each one of these five causes. But before I move on to that, any thoughts or comments that any of you have about the five causes? About anything we've said up to this point? Any commentary on that? Okay, we'll move on. If you have a commentary, just raise your hand and flag me down, okay? <clears throat> okay, so... so Sticking with our analogy, what we say is we say that uh, each one of those causes can be a running faucet in a person's life. And if you really want to clean up the mess of depression, you have to be able to turn the faucet down or off. Some people that come to us have three or four faucets running. They have three or four of the five causes in their life. But how you treat each one of them is not exactly the same. And that's why, again, we talk about what the cause is, because the cause for number one is not necessarily the cause for number four, or the remedy, rather. The remedy for number one is not the remedy for number four. And the remedy for number three is not the remedy for number five. And that's why we have to talk about the causes a little bit, because if not, then we're trying to treat folks with a, a, one remedy fits all, and it, and it doesn't. 
um, which is why a lot of folks have struggled with depression for a long time, because they've gotten wrong remedies. <clears throat> As we said earlier, the, there are uh, such a, a prevalent, nearly 300 million people estimated worldwide who struggle with enduring depression. That's a lot of folks. Uh, so um, just last year, uh, the Public Library of Science and Medicine uh, finally put together some research that they'd, uh, they'd been doing in terms of what countries in the world have the most depression, that is to say the most prevalence of depression percentage-wise, and what countries have the least amount of depression. Um, so we'll just uh, focus on a couple uh, on the ends here for a second. And anybody have a guess what the, which country has the highest depression rate on the globe? And I'll give you a hint. It's not the United States. Does anybody have a guess? Sweden, Sweden is a good guess. Sweden actually um, <clears throat> um, is not too bad. Um, strangely enough, I mean, they're, they're not too bad. Uh, th th why I say strangely enough, um, because um, both uh, Denmark and um, Norway have much more depression than Sweden does, and I don't know why that is, you know. So, um, but it's a good guess. Anybody else have a guess? Russia. Russia's good. Japan, what else? Asia, yeah. It's interesting because Japan, actually, Japan has, uh, out of all the countries, the least amount of depression. Japan is the least depressed country on the globe, according to the Public Library of Science and Medicine, at least. And so I don't know why that is necessarily. They also say that there's, a, there's not very much uh, depression in China. They also say there's not much depression in uh, Vietnam. Not much depression in Indonesia, but uh, for some reason. And, and, and um, Russia has a fair amount. They're not the highest, but they certainly have a fair amount. Uh, but the, the country that has the most uh, depression, according to this study, is the country of Afghanistan. They're said to have a, a lot of depression. A couple other countries that have a lot of depression. Croatia. Algeria, Libya, Sudan, Botswana, um, Iran, Syria, uh, Jordan, uh, United Arab Emirates. Those are all said to have a high rate, the highest rates of, of depression, but uh, Afghanistan is the highest. And... Um, each one of those countries, you might, you might see that there's something going on there because each one of those countries has a fair amount of, of social and political unrest in it. And maybe that kind of goes hand in hand with some of their studies, I don't know. But, but interesting, I, I, thought, I, thought, or, um, I thought it was interesting nonetheless. Um, the U.S. actually fares, the U.S. and Canada both fare pretty well. Fairly well, not as well as Mexico does. Mexico seems to have less depression than we do, which, which tells us that the presence of depression isn't always uh, situated in terms of, uh, you know, uh, excellent socioeconomic growth, you know, for a country. Although Japan uh, does pretty well in terms of their business and stuff. So, so <clears throat> if you're going to go on uh, a vacation to some place, I suggest Japan and not Afghanistan. So, the ever popular Afghanistan vacation, right? All right, some remedies. Uh, let's talk about some remedies uh, for generally coping with depression. I will say this, just by way of introduction, that that if we that these are going to be general remedies. If we wanted to get very specific, and we said. What if my neighbor struggles with situational depression? What do they do? The number one thing that they need to do is bolster their coping strategies, their ability to cope well. And that has to do with what plays in the theater of their mind and also what they do behaviorally. But they have to bolster coping strategies. 
Well, what if my great aunt has the neurobiological depression? Then, she, then it could be of benefit for her to visit with her doctor about the possibility of a trial of medication. Well, what if, what if my cousin struggles with past traumas and that's the, the cause for their depression? Then they have to get into uh, therapy and engage in trauma recovery work. Uh, that's the number one thing that they need to do. Well, what if, what if uh, I have faulty thinking patterns? I struggle with that. Then I need to change my thinking patterns. Some counseling can help me with that. Because uh, right, there's a cognitive behavioral therapy changes our thinking patterns. It's just a fancy way of saying what the Apostle Paul told us in terms of being transformed by the renewing of our mind in Romans chapter 12. Um, so we need to change our way of thinking. And what if it's spiritual oppression? If it's spiritual oppression, if it's a, if it's a spiritual issue, it's a spiritual remedy. Then I need to encounter, in that case, uh, forgiveness, release from some of the anger, freedom and deliverance for, from chains that bind in terms of negativity or any of stuff of the past. Right, the writer of the book of Hebrews exhorts us by telling us, writing to us in Hebrews chapter 12, and telling us to lay aside every sin and weight that so easily entangles, so that, of course, we can run the race with perseverance that's set before us, right? And so that's the number one thing if I have the spiritual oppression in my life I need to do is lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles, and that's any, anything to do with my past, that's painful or offensive or hurtful in any way, right? So, okay, so let's move on to some more generic ideas. And these ideas, uh, there's six of them, and you see them on your sheet there, so we're just sort of, we'll just kind of uh, fly over them relatively quickly. Um, but there's these six ideas. Incidentally, six ideas are taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, where the Apostle Paul wrote to us and uh, was writing really to Timothy, I guess, in Ephesus. And um, the, I think the last recorded uh, book um, that we have from the Apostle Paul um, and writes to us about the end of his life in Second Timothy chapter 4 and struggling with some disappointment and sadness. And so the first thing that he tells us in that passage is to get support. Right, that's because he says to Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. And then goes on to talk about some people who have left and, and Demas has left and, and only Luke is with him and even says, bring Mark with you when you come. And uh, so the idea of needing to have support in our life, if we struggle with depression, one of the first check boxes that we go through is, do you have support in your life? You don't have to have a bunch of people, but you have at least one person in your life who is a good support system for you and that you can count on and you can trust. So um, that's an important thing. It's, those are the people that we gather the most information from. It's okay for us to, for a person to go out socializing with people that they just kind of generally no, uh, but the most support they're going to get are some people that are close to them. So, The second uh, thing that we say, second remedy, is to maintain your self-care. To push yourself to, to engage in healthy decisions that can be very difficult, but are healthy decisions of maintaining yourself uh, your self-care by eating right, by trying to stick to a, a decent sleeping pattern. And so we'll say to the folks who, who aren't eating, you need to eat. Well, I'm not hungry, you see. It doesn't matter. Your body doesn't know right now what it, what it needs because you're in the middle of depression, so you need to eat. You need to eat healthy stuff. So in eating a bag of potato chips is not, you know, self-care. Um, and... Sleeping habits are really important, and so that's that's a it's a huge issue. We we often uh, send folks to talk to their doctors about their sleeping ha habits because when your circadian rhythms are off and your sleeping is not going well, sleep can be broken up into a four stage cycle, and um, if you're 
your um, sleep isn't going well, a lot of other stuff isn't going to go well either. Uh, and those folks who sleep too much, we say to them, you've got to get out of bed. I don't feel like it. I'm so exhausted. Yeah, but if you lay in bed for 12 hours, it's going to actually contribute to your depression, right? So maintain your self-care. Uh, take a shower, open the curtains, do that kind of stuff, right? That's what we say. So the Apostle Paul illustrates that for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 by specifically asking Timothy that when you come, bring with you the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas. Bring that with you because he's caretaking for his body because it was cold. He was on house arrest in Rome at the time, so it was needed to, nights were cold there, so he needed to have the coat, the cloak. So the third thing is to plug into positive influences in our life. All right, fill in our mind with positive things. So what we read, watch on TV, listen to, all that kind of stuff, it impacts our thinking. So I say to folks who are depressed, do not... Do not uh, watch uh, scary movies. Do not read Stephen King novels. Do not listen to Pink Floyd. Right? <laughs> if you're depressed, you need to get positive messages into your mind, not music that's filled with angst or anger, not TV shows that have to do with uh, war zones and people being blown up. So you need to plug in the positive influences if you're struggling with depression. And so the Apostle Paul illustrates that for us by telling Timothy, when you come, bring my scrolls. Very important. Maybe it was the scroll of Isaiah, but he needed to read good stuff. And he was going to make sure that he got good stuff in his mind. And whenever you and I struggle with depression, we are wise to do the same thing. And then the fourth thing is to have purposeful outlets in our life, a outlet or outlets, so hobbies, interest, activities. Now, I say that even though earlier what we said was that one of the symptoms of depression is that you lose interest in some of the things that you're typically interested in. If one of the things that you love to do was fly kites, and then when you're depressed, it's flying kites isn't nearly as much fun as it used to be. Uh, that's a typical result of depression. We call it anhedonia. And anhedonia refers to the fact that even though I used to enjoy this, I don't enjoy as much anymore. But it's okay because the enjoyment will come back. And so we say to folks, just go do it anyhow because it's important for you to pursue outlets. Yeah, I just don't feel like it. I know, but do it anyhow. Yeah, it just doesn't make me feel very good. I know, but you have to do it anyhow. Because if not, what they'll do is they'll just lay down on the couch and do nothing, right? And that'll make the depression worse. And so the Apostle Paul illustrates this through us by telling Timothy that when he comes, bring especially the parchments, things that he could write on, because he needs to be writing some things to people, maybe writing letters to folks. Um, so it was an outlet for him that he really wanted to have. All right, the fifth uh, remedy for depression is to limit negative influences. And this is important, limiting negative influences in our life. Well, so if depression is something that somebody is struggling with, they probably shouldn't go next door to their neighbor if what they do is they sit and eat, drink coffee and talk about how horrible the world is. It's probably not the thing to do when you're feeling depressed. If in your life your mother is very, very negative, then you need to take a little bit of a break from mom. You know, it's for a few weeks or so or something, right? Because every time mom comes in or dad or your brother, uh, whoever, right, you may need to take a break from those folks that are negative and because you have to limit negative influences in your life. And some folks, as we said, have been caught into the spirit of negativity. And so they look at the situation and they see the ability to see a lot of negative stuff in it. That's not all bad necessarily. 
because those folks, some people think that those individuals have the capacity to be somewhat prophetic or something. But uh, and that may be the case. Um, uh, but negativity, we have to limit that. The way that the Apostle Paul explained that to us is he talked about um, a guy in Ephesus. Um, his name was Alexander the Metalworker. And uh, metalworking was his occupation. And so the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and says, Be on your guard against him. He did me a great deal of harm. And uh, so we need to limit negative influences in our life uh, as much as we possibly can. We can't do that 100% necessarily. But sometimes, right, what I've had people say is that sometimes people have said that they have chosen to take a vacation from the, the news. They just don't watch the news for a while because the news usually gives us about, you know, uh, catastrophe and disaster and, and horrible things that are transpiring. And so sometimes they need to take a break from the news. Uh, and then number six is uh, the idea of trying our best, trying our best to see the big picture. And this may, this may require us to, you know, to need somebody else's help sometimes in this process. But uh, understanding that depression is a process that we're going through. It's not something that we're stuck in forever, even though it feels that way for a lot of folks. So what we say to folks is this, is that your emotions are very, very important. They are. You're designed in God's image. You're an emotional being. But you can never trust your emotions and you never set your compass by them. Because that's what the word of God is for. To be a lamp to our feet. A light to our path. And your emotions will never do that. They'll lead us astray. And so we say that your emotions are very important. Very important issues. But they're not always accurate. It's important to know that. And reminding ourselves that, that God is in the middle of this. And how does God see our situation? Again, we may need some Somebody else's help sometimes to come alongside us and help us with that a little bit. So the Apostle Paul illustrates that for us in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 by letting, um, letting Timothy know that, uh, that God stood by his side and that God was with him and gave him strength. And uh, so in any of our struggles, God is there to be by our side and give us strength as well, even though when a person's in the middle of depression, they don't always feel strength. It's okay. You don't have to feel it. You have to just know it in your head. All right? So, okay. So 2 Timothy chapter 4 gives us those six remedies, and we figure this is what we share with folks. We share these uh, remedies with individuals who come to us who have faith and individuals who do not have faith. We share these same remedies to them. Uh, the, the individuals who don't, do not have faith, we just, we just don't say to them out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says. We just give them the list. Um, because we figure if it helped him, maybe it'll help us. So, okay. Thoughts, comments, questions on that before we move on to a couple other things. Yes? I have a question. Yeah. It wasn't mentioned in verse 2 that self-care, but I meant exercises. Yeah. Yeah, all of our doctors would tell us that it's aerobic exercise is the best if you can do it, where you really elevate your heart rate quite a bit. And so it's that kind of uh, thing that people, they really say that you, if, you wanna, if you raise your heart rate above 150, um, if you can do that. without If there's health risks, then you can't do that. But if you can do that, that's the best kind of exercise that a person can do. But any kind of exercise is good. You know, riding bikes or walking or whatever it is, is is still good exercise. It's just that the doctors say that that's the best kind, has the most benefit. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
Yeah, I, I would say to folks that it's okay to give themselves grace that if you say, I just don't want to, do, I just want to go out, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what their hobby is, whether their hobby is um, uh, reading, writing, crocheting, painting, sculpting, uh, you know, uh, blowing things up, whatever their hobby is. Um, if, if they say they don't want to do it, then I think it's, um, you know, then I think it's okay to give ourselves grace and say, I, I'm going to pass today, but tomorrow I've got to get out and do it. I, I, I really got to push myself. Because it's the, the idea is that we don't want the, the, the habit to start. It's one of the insidious things about depression is that when people feel depressed and they feel bad because they're depressed and then because they feel bad about being depressed, they get more depressed. And then on the basis of that depression, they feel worse about it. And then they feel worse about that and they think worse about it. And they feel even worse than they did to start with. And so it continues to go down a hole, yeah. And so we have to, you know, so the person says, I need to stop that, that process. And then, you know, and, and attend to whatever the running faucet or faucets are in my life, whatever it may be. So, all right, other comments that you guys have, other questions about that? All right, so let me uh, run through a couple things and, and um, kind of test you guys a little bit on this. We talked earlier about Abraham Lincoln. Now, it's known that he had some issues with depression. Um, but, it's, uh, um, but it's also seen as a person who was greatly successful in a number of things. Um, regardless of what you think about his particular politics... Right, and so there's he's still seen as a person who was was very successful in what he did, um, not always right initially, but eventually. Uh, but this is the same Abraham Lincoln who wrote these words: "I am now the most miserable man living." Um, struggling with uh, his depression, uh, some of the depression that he had was. Uh, from some uh, events in his life, uh, the sudden death of his uh, fiance and the early deaths of two of his uh, sons, uh, but also um, it was thought that perhaps uh, some of the uh, depression might might have been um, you know biologic neurobiologic in, in his life so um, but he you know obviously there was no antidepressant medication. Um, but um, his remedy, though, for it, and the remedy of a few other folks, for example, uh, this is the same remedy that Winston Churchill and Mark Twain used. Um, so Abraham Lincoln's remedy was to tell uh, stories, oftentimes elaborate stories, that often had very comical things to it. And um, so that was one of the things that he loved to do is tell stories with lots of jokes and stuff in it. Uh, so he says it this way, if it were not for these stories and jokes and these jests, I should probably die. You see, they give me vent. They are vents for my moods and my gloom. Um, so that's a powerful thing that he was doing. Now, so he also, um, a couple other things that helped him immensely is a love of poetry and his faith in God. Those are also a couple things that he talked about that were very helpful for him. So when we talk about uh, Abraham Lincoln using such remedies as this, do you see out of those six remedies that we got from the Apostle Paul that, that Lincoln was using any of those remedies, in your opinion? And if so, what, what remedies do you think he was using? What would you say? Out of the six remedies, which one or ones was Abraham Lincoln using? To help him with his depression. The purposeful outlet. Yeah. I think it's a huge thing. Yeah. See the big picture. Yeah. It's very good. Okay, let's talk about another, uh, another person who struggled immensely with some depression. Uh, artist Georgia O'Keeffe. Um, great artist. Um, you've, if you've ever been to 
Chicago's Institute of Art. You've seen some of her paintings there. Um, so uh, she struggled immensely with depression. As a matter of fact, at age 46, she was admitted into the doctor's hospital in New York City with, with depression that included uh, weeping spells, not eating and not sleeping. And um, so there was a lot of stress in her life at the time. And uh, a couple other things that happened. Uh, she had an ongoing fear of public failure. Uh, she also had a, uh, she happened to have a husband at the time who was a little bit controlling, to say the least. Um, and um, and, 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 and uh, her husband had an affair uh, with another woman who was two decades younger than her. Um, so there's, we certainly see some... Um, Situational variables happening in, in Georgia O'Keeffe's life. Well, here's what she did. is In order to deal with her depression, uh, she took to traveling. That was one of the things she did. She went first to Bermuda and then to Lake George, New York. She got caught up on a lot of sleep there. And uh, she went to Maine and then H- Hawaii. And then she took summer trips to New Mexico where she did a lot of her painting. And um, um, she would often talk about the fact that that being in that warmth, in that warm environment um, in New Mexico was exactly what she needed. So another antidote that she eventually used was um, just a friendship uh, she had with a a poet and a novelist, Jean Toomer. And ultimately her art also really helped her via, it was kind of an antidote for her. So in George O'Keeffe's life, which remedies would you say were at work for her? Yeah, absolutely. She got support. She had that friend. That was pretty important. She did take care of herself. A lot of self-care stuff, yeah. So that was good. Okay, just a couple others. Uh, William James. Um, psychologist, theologist, philosopher. Um, William James had a, uh, struggled off and on with depression for years, um, would ebb and flow into uh, what he would refer to as personal crises. Um, and so in his life, one of the things that he said that he used as an antidote was this. He came to understand that Faith, in a fact, can help help him create those kinds of things. It's the belief that one has. It's the belief that one has that you have a significant contribution to this world, and that God has purposely placed you here for a specific reason. And he often said it was that specific reason that he plugged into, knowing that God had something for him uh, that kept him from committing suicide in periods of deep despair. And um, so he fostered his faith. So from, from that perspective, William James probably used what remedy, would we say? Yeah, seeing the big picture. It was really seeing the big picture that God is involved in my life and um, in a powerful way. Okay. All right, one more person, and we'll wrap it up here. Um, Franz Kafka. Was an artist, uh, was a, a novelist, poet as well. Um, some of you might have read some of his work before. Uh, Franz Kafka struggled immensely with depression. He was verbally abused by his father all his life, uh, per his report. Um, yet he remained in the very same house with his father most of his life. He was known to be a lifelong hypochondriac, struggled with a lot of illnesses and aches and pains and that kind of stuff. Um, He was diagnosed at 34 years of age with tuberculosis. Uh, He had uh, depression in one of his relationships with with a fiancé fell apart. His fiancé went on to marry another man two years later. Franz Kafka's antidotes for dealing with his depression is... 
this. He said that work certainly did him a world of good, and it gave him the material for his novels. Um, writing is a significant antidote for his depression. Exercise was also very important in his life as an antidote. He was an accomplished swimmer, enjoyed hiking in the mountains, and he was a talented horseman. He communicated frequently uh, with people, um, with his three younger sisters, who provided him with a great deal of support. And near the end of his life, he did find a companion um, that um, was a loving relationship that appeared to be very helpful for him as well. Okay, so Franz Kafka, what are some remedies that he used? Number three and number four, both of those. Number one, yep, getting support. Pretty much all of them, didn't he, kind of in a sense. It had positive influences and very purposeful outlets. Probably the one thing he didn't do is quite as much as, as limit negative influences because it seemed that he had a very uh, difficult relationship with his father. Ben. But, okay. Um, all right, we'll come back. What I would like to do now is I'd like to just to see if it if, uh, centered around the whole topic of depression. Uh, if anybody has any comments, questions, or ideas that you want to share um, about depression or about treatments or anything like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. It, it, that is a form of depression. Yeah, the seasonal affective disorder it is a form of depression that uh, um, in most cases does have the neurochemical stuff involved in it. Uh, not always, because it's often, a lot of folks who develop seasonal affective sorts of reactions, uh, it's really keyed off into their negative thinking patterns more than it is their neurochemistry. Uh, but for most folks, that's due to the neurochemistry, and it is a form of depression. It's a form that we can, we certainly can see that here in West Michigan. Um, so I think uh, West Michigan is second only to the general Seattle area and the continental U.S. for the least number of sunny days in the calendar year. I think that is. So at least that's the last research that I'd read on it. Other comments, questions? Yes. Yeah. 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 We encountered the same thing. It's because of the. It's because it's in large part because of what's happening at that faucet level. Because the people struggle with, with either learned helplessness and that's become normal for them, or a sense of uh, you know it's, it's sometimes will present itself as self pity. And, um, and and that's become uh, a state that they kind of get stuck in a little bit. Uh, probably illustrate that is uh, that Jesus was uh, walking to Bethesda and then outside of Bethesda there's an area called the colonnades where people gathered together and uh, and there there were crippled people and there Jesus learned of a man who was crippled for 38 years and uh, Jesus approached the man and asked him do you want to be well and the man did not say yes he didn't say, thank you, I've been waiting all my life for this, or for 38 years at least. Um, neither did he say no. Uh, what he did was he explained how caught, how trapped, how stuck he was, and that nothing could be done. That the angel stirs up the water, the first one to get in gets the healing, and there's no one here to help me. And that was the end of his story. And um, sometimes we encounter folks who are stuck like that. And, um, and with those folks, you know, um, I think it's just that we have to tell them the truth and love, but we have to tell them the truth. Just like Jesus did to the, the guy there where he said to him, uh, pick up your mat and walk. He didn't say, can we get some people over here to help him? He said, you need to do it. 
You know, and we're there to support him. We're there to love him. We're there to throw our arms around him and be with him every step of the way and do anything we can. But we can't change the weather on the inside of somebody else. You know, so. All right, if you have any other questions, we're going to time us to wrap up. Um, I appreciate uh, your comments. I appreciate your attention. Um, I have a few business cards up here if anybody wants a business card. So if you know of anybody in your life, whether it's a neighbor or a relative or an acquaintance or whatever that may struggle with depression in some way, uh, feel free to let us know at Cornerstone Christian Council. We'd be glad to help in any way we can. Jordan? Thanks.